Welcome to the Better Advertising with Better AMS podcast. I am your host, Justin Knuckles, alongside my co-host, Destiny Wishon. Today, we have probably one of the most exciting guests we've had yet, um, CEO, founder of um, Dude Wipes. Welcome, Sean. Hey, thanks for having me, Justin. Good to be here, and uh, and yeah, glad to get on this podcast, talk some Amazon, talk some Dude Wipes, two of my favorite topics. Well, welcome. Um, we'll get into a little bit of Amazon, uh, but before we do that, um, I kind of wanted to give everybody a background um, as to, you know, your story, how you guys built a brand and a company. Um, obviously, you know, you guys really blew up and took off um, after your Shark Tank um, appearance and partnering with Mark Cuban. Um, you've had, you know, a lot of guerrilla, guerrilla marketing initiatives over the years with, uh, you know, showing up behind sports commentators with dude wipe signs and, you know, being on, you know, MMA fighter shorts and, uh, some really cool appearances. So, um, yeah, I'd love to talk about, you know, how you guys built a brand from, you know, the, the organic side of things rather than coming to Amazon and building a brand there. That's, it's a very different world from where we normally talk to sellers from. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, just the quick start of the company was just kind of regular dudes sitting around drinking beers, trying to come up with like a business idea, right? Like uh, everybody does, you know, with their buddies. So we were kind of, you know, that group and kind of what can we do? And it was a little bit after college and you're kind of living that lifestyle where you're going out a lot, you're eating a lot of shitty food. And um, we ended up starting to use a lot of baby wipes in the apartment so that was our aha moment. I was buying baby wipes. We were using them for our ass. Guys didn't want to go back to toilet paper, joking around and having fun. And like that was like the genesis of the Dude Wipes brand. What should we call this? And how should it walk? How should it talk? Like all of that. And yeah, we didn't have any experience in e-commerce or CPG or anything. So we were just coming out this, coming at this as complete outsiders with a fun brand and like a fun idea. So, yeah, I mean, I always like to say that's where like really authentic and good ideas are born, you know, out of situations like that. But, you know, if you don't have the experience of selling it, then you have to learn the other stuff. So a lot of ideas don't really make it out of that phase because of uh, and all the execution and everything like that you guys know that comes with it is uh, is a whole other skill set. So, yeah, that was what we started digging into next. How do we scale the business and how do we get some customers and, and all of that after, uh, you know, the beers and burritos days? <laughs> is that how is that how better AMS got started? Or uh, what's what's the story here? Very, very similar. Um, <laughs> my partner, my partner's based out of Panama and I'm in Bentonville, Arkansas, and we connected on the Internet. And I was like, oh, shit, we're going to see what happens here. So funny enough, going into an idea without any context of how to scale a business, I think allows for that disruption because rather than going to a generic platform and doing what everyone else is doing, you built the audience, you built the brand, you decide how to connect with people because you didn't have anything else figured out. And I think that's been what's been amazing to watch really blow up on your end. Yeah. No, yeah, that's a really good point because I think if you're coming from a big organization, you're like, this brand can be okay, but we're going to pound it with advertising yeah. and like we're going to make it successful because they have that luxury. When yeah. You don't have the luxury of spending the dollars on it. Like the brand has to be something super special to yeah. like walk and have, you know, organic legs of its own. And then that pays so many dividends. Like these days, more people search for dude wipes than they do for our category term, you know? So we're, we're the Kleenex, like 
they're coming to Amazon to search for dude wipes when they're looking for this kind of product. But that that can only happen when you like really disrupt, you know. Uh, I have a random question. Super curious about how do you embrace the top of the funnel aspect with that risk and, you know, the guerrilla marketing, I know Justin's super excited to like dive into those aspects, but most people who are starting a brand see that and say, you know, I can't afford the impressions. That's not going to work. I want to see the direct ROI. I'm going to spend money on ads and it's going to have a cost per acquisition. That's easily quantifiable. You took the risk and you said, no, I need the impressions. I want to be in front of an audience, but you know, that can be really scary when you can't directly quantify the ROI of being on Sports Center without, you know, the impact and the CTA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to go off of the guerrilla marketing stuff, like those, there's no risk. Those don't cost anything. It's just, hey, are you going to get off your ass and do it, you know, and do something different and be in people's faces? So didn't cost anything to have a dude wipe sign behind the Cubs um, announcing, you know, corner during the World Series. We just had to get those signs printed and go did it. And then you get 20 million impressions online and like the website's blowing up. And so we did a lot of stuff that was honestly free and then other stuff, you know, they were smaller spends, but at the time they felt like risky, like, Oh, we're going to pay 10 grand. This is the first time we've ever gotten on a UFC fighter's ass. And it's going to have dude wipes on his ass. And like, we think it's going to be funny, but until the pay-per-view rolls, you don't know if it's going to work, you know, or if it's going to fall on deaf ears and, you know, one of those early ones blew up and it was trending worldwide on Twitter. So, you know, then as we grew, we take more shots like that and not all of them work, um, you know, but the ones that do can go really long. And some of the ones that do don't cost anything. It's just like being really like goofy or different or whatever. Um, but at the same time, still a lot of our budget going to performance. So when you talk about like, how do you plan both out. I think it's just having a healthy balance of just going for brand awareness, um, getting people to talk about you, being in the news, all that earned owned media stuff is super important to us and continues to be, even as our advertising budgets grow and all that, we're going to keep advertising, but we want to also be like, you know, a story and a part of culture and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's awesome when you like chose a very competitive market to, to enter even more so now if you were trying to get into it. But I mean, you, you chose a niche in the market that was completely unserved and found the best way to message and talk to them. And, and that really justifies going after top of the funnel is, you know, let's get this message out there that we, we have proof works. It connects with its market. And um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's, you know, the larger you get and you have more distribution, the top of funnel stuff starts becoming more and more attractive because all of the groundwork is done and you're going to pound them with retargeting, you know, when they get there and like all of that stuff. But then, you know, some of uh, brands as they grow, it's like, all right, how do we just ping the national audience and, you know, get in front of them and get our benefit across and our message and stuff. And looking back long-term, that's, that's obviously made you guys one of the you know biggest names on Amazon. Like you said, your, your dude wipe searches are, are more, more than just the category searches. So it's definitely paid dividends down the road. I think that's the dream of, you know, a lot of, a lot of Amazon sellers that we talk to now, you know, wish when they built a brand that they, they could have the audience there that, you know, already connected with their brand. And instead people, people tend to do it backwards where, you know, they see the product that's already in demand and then they go, they go put the product there to say, I hope the market likes that. Instead, you guys did it backwards. And I think that's way more durable and long lasting. So how do you think the aggregators are going to do 
you know, when they consider themselves these like e-commerce execute, you know, um, professionals, but they're buying the brands. So they're buying kind of that unique positioning and idea, but now none of that is around anymore. And then they think they can just run the flywheel on Amazon based on ads and product alone when other people in your category are still run, you know, by founders and entrepreneurs who are growing the brand. That's why I'm, you know, such a aggregator bubble guy. I just don't get it because my way my brain works is I can't see that working long term. But maybe some people are just going to make a bunch of money short term and they don't care. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. I've I've uh, always interested to talk to people what they think those models are going to do. I am personally of the opinion that you can somewhat disrupt the lack of understanding your audience if you have enough capital. And the aggregators are running out of that. And I think that where they acquired the majority of their brands was also a very different industry to be in. So the majority of the acquisitions we have seen are not going fantastic because not only do they not understand the audience that they're trying to target on the platform, they're not investing in the brand building tactics. Combine that with really young talent that don't understand Amazon to the fullest extent. And it's really, really rough. I mean, the aggregator model could be argued that it works when you see P&G and Johnson and Johnson, but they know their audience. They stayed very, very precise with their targeting and they now have the capital to get past that. The aggregators, I don't think are doing that incredibly well. I think they're doing everything kind of mid as the Gen Zers say. So it's really kind of holding them back in that area. No cap, right? No cap. (laughs) Uh, no, yeah, that's a good point. Kind of. Yeah. I'm interested to see if there's some point where there's like a hangover on Amazon from it of like the capital falls out of there. A lot of these brands fall out of there that people are bankrupting or, you know, cause some of these aggregators just were looking at the 80, 20 rule too, is like 20% of these people I scoop up are going to be winners. And then I'm going to, you know, shut down the other 80. Um, so yeah, should be interesting. I think the aggregators are, are buying a lot of products um but i don't know how many of them are holding brands like a true brand like dude wipes you know yeah yeah good distinction and then i think they're you know very spread thin in terms of hey let's let's get these profitable sales at the bottom of the funnel and they're not making those bets at the top of the funnel like we're referring to that you know build you an audience for years to come we we could probably nerd out on this piece of it for quite some time, but I'm a big <laughs> believer that the direction Amazon's going is brand anyways. I, you know, Jeff started with the everything store and that worked incredibly well. They built the platform, the brand authority, the audience. Now they have millions of customers and they're almost the largest retailer. Shout out to Walmart World. <laughs> but now that they have that audience, people don't want... 30 blue pins that are subpar quality and the cheapest price. They want the best brands. So I think we're seeing that shift and Amazon's changing directions and their focus, you know, customer engagement, email list, Amazon post, Amazon social, all the creative assets we're getting. Amazon realizes, you know, advertising is making me a lot of money. Vendors and large brands are the ones who understand that best. My customers don't want shitty knockoff products anymore. So I think that's going to make a big difference. Yeah, totally. I I think that would be a smart move by them. Obviously, they had a bunch of problems with like Chinese sellers and counterfeit and stuff like that, where like that was a big issue for Amazon that they had to address. But yeah, I don't understand the benefit of all of the selection right now 
that you make a good point after like the customer base is captured it's not growing at an exponential rate anymore like it's just like most of america or whatever you know <laughs> um so yeah i would agree like i like the clean interfaces of like a target um a walmart to you know the seller the seller integration in walmart could make that a little bit messier you know yeah, in my opinion, I would like I'd love to see Walmart just like, yeah, this is basically what we just sell at Walmart. And it's, you know, we vetted it out. It's the best price. It's the best product. And we carry the top three, four brands in the category. And maybe one of them is an online exclusive or something. But they should skate away as far from that Amazon hell of selection, uh, <laughs> you know, model. I mean, everyone's heard the page one data in general, I think, especially for those of us who've been on the platform for some time. But PackView recently sent me over some data that 70% of click share goes to the top three placements on page one. So it really kind of begs to differ of you're either advertising to get up there or you're building a brand which has external presence and people are clicking and you're converting high enough to get organically ranked up there. The rest of the page is slowly, you know, it's not an infinite shelf. The rest of the page is shrinking. So I think that's going to play a big role in the future as well. Right. More and more ad units there. Yes. <laughs> as many retailers as you guys are a part of, um, how how significant has Amazon been, especially after you know the pandemic, quarantine, as big as the TP shortage yeah. was? How big is Amazon for your guys' overall business now? Yeah. So for us, like the the biggest part of Amazon was the beginning. You know, they were the only customer that we could get this thing up and rolling with, and in front of people's faces so you know at the same time that is like the special thing that amazon has built is this like innovation launch platform which i think is uh you know to combat what we were just saying earlier like that's the little thing where it is kind of cool the self-service aspect because that's how we built our first million dollar customer you know that let us get enough people around the country using buying dude wipes we're scaling up to go get into walmart and target and kroger and stuff was really with that Amazon success story. So still one of our top three customers um, for sure. And, you know, still growing really healthy and, you know, we're uh, leaning in there and we're, we're good at it. Right. We understand it. We've been doing it a while. Um, So that's uh, that's the fun part about Amazon. I'm just curious, do you guys have an Amazon team that, you know, specializes in the e-commerce marketplace or is this, you know, you very much hands-on? Uh, no, I used to be hands-on on it, like running the ads, fulfilling the POs on Vendor Central, all that stuff. Um, but then, you know, slowly, early days brought on some ads help, got those more proficient, and then just kind of operated it. And then over the past couple of years, you know, we've hired operations managers and VPs of uh, e-com and Amazon and stuff. So, yeah, now they've taken the reins on the day-to-day Um and uh, yeah, and then we, you know, I kind of still involved and manage the strategy and want to know what's going on and have a good idea every once in a while, you know? Yeah. So it's a lot to bite off and manage yourself at this point. So that's respectable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It grows to a size where you got to hand it over, you know, to some professionals. Out of curiosity. So with so many different channels and so many different budgets, and I think the industry is moving a little bit more to like cost per acquisition. How do you build that team? How do you say, hey, I need to shift more budget here or over there? And how do you keep it all together? Yeah, I mean, you just kind of, for us, like, double down yeah. on what's working, you know? So 
Amazon would be an example of that. And like, let's reinvest money into the platform in relationship to how it's growing, you know? So that's how we've treated a lot of our customers and whether that goes into advertising or, you know, Hey, this, this account's growing to this size. We got to get another support person into it. Um, and, you know, using broker groups too for key channels, um, has been really helpful for us to manage different P's and Q's of it and to have admin help and stuff like that. So yeah, just kind of following the growth has always been something like that, that has helped us at least keep things a little bit in order. That's awesome. Kind of pivoting um, with the expansion of dude, you know, dude products over the years. Um, how how has Amazon played in terms of you know cross selling your products to an audience? I feel like that is one of the best opportunities to show someone who you know loves dude wipes. Like, hey, try the you know the dude body wash or dude uh, deodorant. Um, yeah, very specific things, LinkedIn so. post on that topic. <laughs> <laughs> Couple of those got cut. Um, so we're more into like upselling. We, we still do have a couple products that we cross sell. But uh, again, we follow the money and, you know, the Dude Wipes brand is, is growing, you know, head and shoulders. So that even led us to decide to like cut other products too and like really be concentrated. But cross selling retailers with Dude Wipes via Amazon is very real. Like I might get the customer acquisition event on Amazon, but then, you know, we make the sale on Walmart the other six times that year. And so we're trying to get better with some of the data that's coming out and the integrations and stuff at like figuring that stuff out. But, uh, you know, that's pretty, pretty tough to do at the end of the day when you're in all these channels, but certain channels are really good for acquiring new customers. And, you know, we believe Amazon is one of them because we do so much marketing to get in front of you there that, you know, you hopefully you're new and, you know, whenever new to brands working, um, we'll know, who was new and, and who wasn't, you know? Little Amazon joke there, right? Is your guys new to brand still not working? New to or brands something? never fully working, ever. And then you throw in the whole distinction of ad types with it and you just kind of you just go as you you just figure it out as you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I think that was one of the biggest things as an entrepreneur, uh, business owner is like not only just knowing which products to launch, but also which products to cut and doubling down on those winners. Um and I think that's one one thing you guys have done well is, you know, like you said, you tried the dude button and wasn't a huge success. And so you backed off that yeah, and went in other directions. For so. sure. No, you gotta, you gotta try things when you're a small company, cause that's one of your competitive advantages, but then you just got to kill them if they don't work. Cause you're not big enough to run, spin all these plates, you know? And so if something's not working, just like drop the yeah. plate, let it shatter, you know? But if it is, then it's like, okay, well we can build this into something, another service or another product line because it's working i think you said it a few times already but follow the money i love that (laughs) yeah yeah for sure it's a simple way to look at it right it's usually telling you a story that the customer's liking it (laughs) and that you're doing something right you know one thing i want to call out with your you guys amazon listings is you know obviously there's the feature within amazon of like subscribe and save where you know people can just thoughtlessly just get your product month after month. And uh, that's not necessarily the same case in stores and retailers, right? Like if someone runs out of dude wipes, they're going to have to go back to target and pick up another pack. So have you guys seen, you know, a bigger lifetime value out of Amazon customers and uh, justifying, you know, more aggressive marketing spend in, in that sense? Yeah. I mean, the lifetime value is tough to get out of Amazon that, you know, they give you the subscriber versus non-subscriber, like um, so that there's definitely, 
a healthy growth on that for us. And then I think it's just that balance of how many percent of your revenue do you want to be subscribers or what's realistic? I think there is a barrier of like how many people want things on subscription or they're omni-channel shoppers and sometimes they buy here and when they're out of dude wipes, they order six of them and it takes them, you know, holds them over for a while. So, you know, I think it's trying to reach a healthy balance of percentage of revenue. It is subscription revenue, but Amazon is the best subscription company in the world, right? Like, um, that's why Dollar Shave Club's on there now. You know, that's that's why we don't have a subscribe and save on our website anymore. It's like, but what are we trying to do? Subscribe Dude Wipes to us. Like, you can get them easier from Amazon. They're the best in the world at it. Here's the button. <laughs> you know, go check it out. And that's the best thing for our customer. And we're happy to sell people Dude Wipes direct. But we've even taken subscription as like, hey, like, we'll just point you over to our retail partners who do it well. And right now, that's only Amazon. So, it's a little surprising subscription isn't on those other websites yet. I know they're working on it, but it shows you how tough of a thing it is. That's not available on walmart.com or target.com, like tells you something, you know? You know what I love about how you've answered every question is with Amazon being in a very positive light. Typically when someone goes to compare their direct site with Amazon, it's like, why would I want people to subscribe on Amazon? I want to own that relationship. But it is, it's follow the money and it's let the people who are doing it really well continue doing things really well. And I think Amazon's not yeah. to get brands. Amazon also is improving a lot of their data and analytics to help us with decision-making. They're working on some of the repeat purchase rate and some of those aspects. And I think that's a really positive sign for people who have been unsure about going all in on Amazon. They're trying. It will get better. The customer experience is amazing. And that's what matters as someone who's invested in their brand and audience like you have. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And like they keep rolling out new features like you're when you're 20 years ahead of people, you're still going to have a big lead, even though when the, so like their features are always just, you know, so much ahead of the competition when it comes to e-commerce and people who don't want their product on Amazon, like usually it's just early on and they haven't realized it yet. But, you know, it's the Walmart of the internet and you want to be, you want to be in there or not, but you're not going to get all these people going to your website and buying your product. You just, the consumer doesn't care that much. They don't want to have a website to go to for gummies and Q-tips and dude wipes and this and that. It's just completely unrealistic. So unless you're doing something really special, you know, or expensive, like thousand dollar suitcases or clothes that need returns. And like, I get that. That's a whole like uh, competitive advantage over Amazon, but consumables, you know, non-perishable food and beverage and stuff like forget about it. Don't even, what are we even having this conversation that, you know, you don't, you need to be on Amazon. You just haven't figured it out yet. You know? Yeah. I, I, most sellers that I've talked to, you know, they, they hope to acquire the customer, get the brand exposure and get someone to try their product on Amazon. And, you know, later on, maybe the 10% of customers who are, you know, most brand loyal will come and subscribe and shop on site only. Yeah. <laughs> and less and less every day, probably. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, if you um, have any other, you know, guests, friends, brand owners, We'd love to uh, to chat it up with them, um, but I really appreciate the time coming to share a little bit about you know Dude Wipes and your guys' experience with Amazon. Yeah, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. And hey, real quick, Dude Wipes are available on Amazon for anybody watching. <laughs> yes, and they're amazing. <laughs> they're amazing. Go check them out. And uh, yeah, you know when uh, 
we're down in Arkansas, we can do uh, maybe a repeat in person, you know? That would be amazing. And I've already, I've already thought of the title of the show. It's get your brand in front of people's faces so you can get their product on their asses. (laughs) So thank you so much and can't wait to meet up in person. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys. Thanks so much, Sean. 